Welcome to Speak Up and Stay Alive Radio with author, speaker, and your host, Pat Rulo, serving you a generous helping of everything you need to know to help you and your loved ones stay safe during any doctor or hospital visit. The program is not intended to replace medical advice from a licensed professional, but rather to encourage you to become a well-informed participant in your health and well-being. And now, your host, Pat Rulo. Hello and welcome. I'm Pat Rulo, the voice for patient safety, where each week we delve into little-known healthcare and hospital hazards, as well as other fringe topics that affect your health and well-being. I'm so happy you've taken the time to join me, and today I have lots to share with you. So, let's dig right in, shall we? Well, right now, I have an important show schedule change for 2020 to tell you about, so grab a pen and paper or just listen closely, and I will get to that in just a moment. According to a March 25th, 2019, just this year, Assembly by the World Health Association, they state, patient safety is now being recognized as a large and growing global public health challenge. (laughs) Oh my gosh. They say global efforts to reduce the burden of patient harm have not achieved substantial change over the past 15 years. That's one five, 15 years, despite pioneering work in some healthcare settings. Safety measures, even those implemented in high-income settings, have had limited or varying impact, and most have not been adapted for successful application in low- and middle-income countries. They say that available evidence suggests that annually 134 million adverse events due to unsafe care in hospitals in low- and middle-income countries contributes to 2.6 million deaths. Estimates indicate that in high-income countries, about one in 10 patients is harmed while receiving hospital care. Well, I hate to tell the World Health Association there is nothing new about this announcement. As many of you know, I began my radio career with a concentration on patient safety via my book, speaking events, and this show, and I kept that as the focus of my efforts because of my mom and the hundreds of life-death experiences she had during the last 10 years of her life. The year after she passed away in 2016, I was tired, sad, overwhelmed, and I thought it was time to begin to steer away from the patient safety topic because, after all, weren't things getting better? Quite honestly, I just needed a mental break from all of the intense healthcare chatter. So I changed the name of this radio show to Speak Up Talk Radio to reflect a broader menu of topics, all within the confines of speaking up, that was always the underlying message, but just not always about patient safety. Well, I'm back. Things are not getting better. I speak to groups several times each month and continually hear real-life stories about many medical practices and risks that contribute significantly to the burden of harm due to unsafe care. For example, medication errors, healthcare-associated infections, 
unsafe surgical care practices, unsafe injection practices, diagnostic errors, unsafe transfusion practices, radiation errors, undiagnosed sepsis, venous thromboembolisms, unsafe care in mental health settings. In fact, the available evidence suggests that 15% of hospital expenditure and activity can be attributed to treating safety failures. 15% of hospital expenses and activity is spent to treat safety failures. Is that acceptable? Patients, families, and communities are the co-producers of health. They, meaning you, have a central role in ensuring people-centered care. Engaging patients, families, and caregivers is a key to the provision of safe care. But who knows about these things until you actually need to know? When you're in the midst of a life and death healthcare crisis, that's when you need to already have the knowledge, not when you are in a crisis mode. So information is one of the main keys to solving the patient safety issue. So with that, beginning in 2020, I am making some changes. This show will go back to its primarily focused patient safety format, going back to the name Speak Up and Stay Alive. And secondly, and this is important for you to write down, the radio station has made some lineup changes and my show got caught in the shuffle. Here's where you might want to write this down. I will still be a 30-minute show on Saturday mornings in Cleveland, Ohio on WHKW, that's AM 1220, the word, but a half hour earlier. So instead of 9 o'clock on Saturday morning like you're used to, please tune in at 8.30, half hour earlier. So it's Saturday mornings at 8.30 on WHKW, that's AM 1220 on your dial, also called the word. It also can be heard the same time in the Warren, Youngstown, Ohio station, WHKZ, which is AM 1440. So it's simulcast on the same station. The same show is simulcast uh, in Warren, Youngstown. So Saturday mornings, 830. And another change. On Sundays in Cleveland, I have been moved on WHK. Call letters are AM 1420 from 6 o'clock in the evening to 2.30 in the afternoon. So you can find Speak Up and Stay Alive on Sundays at 2.30 on WHK, AM 1420, The Answer. So let's recap. Speak Up and Stay Alive with me as your hostess, Pat Rulo, as usual, in Cleveland, Saturday morning at 8.30 on WHKW, AM 1220, and again on Sunday afternoon at 2.30 on WHK, that's AM 1420. And as always, you can hear the show and all of the previous episodes on our website, speakupandstayalive.com. If you have questions about this, you can call me, leave a message on the radio studio line, 440-725-5462. That's 440-725-5462. Seven two five fifty four sixty two, And I will repeat this again at the end of today's program, just in case you need to hear it again. All righty, let's dig in. Let's get into some plain health safety tips. Because it is the holiday season, 
Many of us travel to visit loved ones, and this makes me think about our healthcare safety when it comes to flying. So I thought I would share my top tips. First of all, you may not want to fly soon after surgery. The change in atmospheric pressure may impede the healing process, so always be sure to talk this over with your healthcare provider. Try not to travel if you have a head cold or sinus infection because the cabin pressure can make the symptoms worse. Not to mention, you can spread it to everyone else. Keep all of your medications with you while you're on board. Don't stash them away in your suitcase in case they get lost. Always bring a summary of your medical history with you. So if something should happen in flight, having a list of allergies, medications, and doctor phone numbers and emergency contact numbers could prove to be invaluable. Be aware of something I call economy class syndrome. In other words, deep vein thrombosis. What this is is a blood clot in a deep vein, commonly in the legs. It is a life-threatening situation because a piece of the clot can break off and travel to the lungs where it can cause a blockage of a main artery to the lung called pulmonary embolism. Studies suggest that the risk of deep vein thrombosis may double after just four hours of flying. And the main cause appears to be prolonged immobility. So there is also the same risk if you sit for long periods on a long car, train, bus journey, or even at home or in the office. And this traveler's thrombosis is really nothing new. The New England Journal of Medicine reported on this back in the 1950s. But sadly, airport seating has gotten tighter and tighter as Americans have gotten larger and larger. Risk factors are many and include obesity, recent surgery, poor circulation, heart disease, middle or old age, and oral contraception or pregnancy. Here's what's interesting. Clots can form during or up to 30 days after travel or any period of immobility. And most clots dissolve on their own, but it's something to be aware of and a few things you can do to keep yourself safe. Wear comfortable soft shoes that you can slip on and off easily so that your feet do not swell during the flight. Also wear loose and comfortable fitting clothing. Avoid tight belts and waistbands. Try to leave your seat every hour and walk up and down the aisle. In your seat, do ankle and foot exercises and try to move your legs as much as possible. Think twice about reserving exit row seats because sometimes the advantage of extra leg room is outweighed by armrests that don't raise and seats that don't recline, making it difficult to get comfortable. And the same goes for the last row. Sometimes those seats do not recline, and if they are near the toilets, well, you can be troubled by noise and smell. Stretch your arms and hands and back and neck. Not only will it help to keep the blood flowing, but it will alleviate the cramping and pains that come from sitting for an extended period of time. Also, because the air is so dry when you fly, do not drink alcohol. Drink lots of water to avoid headaches. And pass on the ice cubes and drink only bottled water. I've heard nasty stories about the quality of airplane ice cubes. Plus, the source of drinking water on planes is usually the municipal water supply of the airport where the water is boarded. Water is loaded into aircraft tanks via pipes and hoses from a public water source or from water tanker trucks, which suggests to me the potential for microbial pathogens, not to mention a healthy, not really, dose of fluoride. Airline food. 
It's too sugary, salty, and basically unhealthy. Bring your own healthy snacks. You might want to load up on vitamins a few weeks before travel and before you board. Fresh air is a foreign concept on long flights, and you may be susceptible to airborne infections or diseases. And speaking of cabin air, here's something to ponder. Aerotoxic syndrome. It's actually a phrase that was coined back in 2000 to describe claims of short and long-term ill health effects caused by breathing airliner cabin air, which was alleged to have been contaminated to toxic levels with atomized engine oils or other chemicals. However, they say this syndrome is not recognized in medicine. Well, that doesn't make me feel better. Neither are a host of other things that damage your health. Modern jetliners have an environmental control system that manages the flow of cabin air. Outside air enters the engines and is compressed in the forward section prior to the combustion section, ensuring no combustion products can enter the cabin. A portion of that compressed bleed air is used to pressurize the cabin. And this then recirculates some of that cabin air through the HEPA filters while the rest is directed to outflow valves ensuring there is a constant supply of fresh, clean air coming into the cabin pressurization system at all times. But, huh, you knew there was a but, it is possible for contaminants to enter the cabin through the air supply system and through other means. Substances used in the maintenance and treatment of aircraft, including aviation engine oil, hydraulic fluid, cleaning compounds, and de-icing fluids, these can contaminate the environmental control system. Ground and flight crews, as well as passengers themselves, can be sources of contaminants such as pesticides, bioaffluents, viruses, bacteria, allergens, and fungal spores. Now, I'm really not attempting to ascribe to causality saying these things are causing a problem, but here's the thing, and it's something called the cumulative effect. When we continually assault our bodies with toxins from the food we eat, hair and beauty products, cleaning supplies in our home, well, eventually you reach a tipping point. Just saying. To me, the nastiest part of flying is the other passengers. Just look around. People show up in filthy pajama bottoms, dirty coats, unwashed hair, and then they touch everything. And with that in mind, pack a baggie of bleach wipes and hand sanitizer. Wipe down your seat, the seat belt, the front magazine pocket, and especially the tray table. Remember what I've talked about in the past, and I'm not making this up. MRSA, a staph bacteria, was found on 40% of airplane tray tables during many studies, actually. So after disinfecting, toss the wipes and use the hand sanitizer to clean your hands. And if all of that isn't enough to cause you to think about driving, walking, or staying home, huh, I've saved the best for last. And that is the wonderful news that everyone can use their cell phones in flight. Yes, it's old news, but there is scientific evidence of harm, and many experts are calling for caution. Dietrich Klinghart, MD, PhD, says, As a physician, I have seen enough medical and scientific evidence to know that the radiation used in Wi-Fi and mobile communications is hazardous to human health and share the concerns of many other researchers about the risks of Wi-Fi in aircraft. This could have short and long-term consequences. 
Few aviation experts are aware of the potential dangers to the brain and both emotional and mental functioning of the pilot's brain during flight at existing safety standard levels. That's right. The FCC tested Wi-Fi on the electrical components of an aircraft, but not on the people. Can you imagine small cell phone towers basically under the seats, above the seats of passengers so that everyone can connect with ease? The Wi-Fi based stations placed in the cabin are the least of the problem. The Airbus A319, for example, has a maximum seating capacity of 156 people. Well, the big problem comes when 100 passengers or 156 passengers all connect with the aircraft Wi-Fi at the same time. Technical expert Katharina Gustav says, since an aircraft is a metal enclosure, any wireless transmitter as well as Wi-Fi access points operating on the inside will cause an exponential increase in radiation exposure due to the reflection and resonance effects and multiple users exposure levels can increase 1000 percent in hotspots which may exceed official exposure limits that's right the frequencies have no way to escape in this metal can so they bounce around back and forth through you a mostly water exceptional conductor Alastair Phillips, UK electrical engineer, says, We are told that the radiation levels are well within government health and safety limits. These standards, however, are not accurate. And at the levels of exposure measured in a Wi-Fi-enabled aircraft, headaches, fatigue, muddled thinking, confusion, irritability, generally increased stress, and in principle also cardiac symptoms, yes, all are possible and likely in some passengers and flight crew. Now I'm not making this up because I'm a lunatic. Many informed and intelligent doctors urge caution. A physician who raised this alert back in 2008 said equipping aircraft with Wi-Fi is a dangerous experiment. It is possible that a pilot could become incapacitated in flight and actually this has happened on many occasions. Cardiologists said I would like tests on pilots for potential cardiac and cognitive effects. A scientist at the University of Vienna, our research shows cognitive impairment. Cognitive impairment. Wrong responses were given within shorter time periods. Former Microsoft Canada President Frank Clegg, who, by the way, I personally interviewed several years ago on this very topic, is now CEO of Canadians for Safe Technology, has worked in the information tech industry his whole career, and he urges regulators to re-examine the standards. He says there is no proof that this technology is safe and we shouldn't wait for the government to catch up to the technology. The standards are outdated and failed to keep up with the times. More importantly, regulators have failed to keep up with the established science. Our very strong message is that these safety codes fail to protect people. The World Health Organization has declared all wireless radiation as possibly carcinogenic, but many of those reviewing exposure standards have stated publicly there is no need for revision. They are ignoring the scientific proof of harm. Hans Christoph Scheiner, MD, environmental medicine expert, says equipping aircraft with Wi-Fi is a dangerous experiment. 
Even quite low levels of radio frequency radiation from Wi-Fi and mobile devices can open the blood-brain barrier and cause a lot of harm, including miniature edemas, destroying brain cells which cannot be renewed. So there's a wealth of evidence about the health risks associated with this technology. So it's not a question of insufficient evidence anymore. This is now about the conflict between commercial interests of an industry supported by the government and the protection, or should I say, non-protection of public health. So what can you do about Wi-Fi on planes? Here's what I do. I haven't flown in over seven years and I don't plan to. I refuse to be a human guinea pig. If I can't drive or walk, I'm happy to stay home. And quite honestly, that is the solution to most things foisted on us by any industry. If we simply refuse to take part, to buy in, to don the sheeple mentality, and if enough people did just that, guess what? No consumers, no money. Would be time to listen to the masses. But for some reason, that just doesn't happen. We all run about doing as we are told, suffering the consequences because, woohoo, what in the world would I do without cradling my phone in my hand for an hour or two while in flight? It's insanity. That's what it is. Well, I got carried away, didn't I? Those are just a few of my top tips for safe flying. If you must fly, I hope you implement as many as you can. And if flying is optional, stay home. Listen to Pat Rulo and Speak Up and Stay Alive Radio. Stay safe from little-known healthcare and hospital hazards. To learn more, go to speakupandstayalive.com. That's speakupandstayalive.com. Hi there, I'm Gina Murphy-Darling, the host of Mrs. Green's World, and I personally invite you to become a part of our movement. We show up every day to help create the change we wish to see because we care deeply about this great planet of ours. The guests I interview inspire ways of living that are healthy, sustainable, and socially just. We discuss real issues by leveraging experts and science to get trustworthy information. Please visit our website at mrsgreensworld.com to learn more and to become a part of our world. Well, as usual, I try to pack as much as I can into each show, and we're always short on time. So before we head out, here's a few quick reminders. Be sure to start the new year with healthcare safety on your to-do list. Now more than ever, you need to be in charge of you. Purchase a copy of the book, Speak Up and Stay Alive, the Patient Advocate Hospital Survival Guide, and my newest book called Healthcare Acquired Infections, The Troublemakers and How to Avoid Them. You know, someone told me that the uh, Speak Up and Stay Alive book costs $20, but is worth the difference between a safe or unsafe hospital or healthcare experience. You know, that made me stop and think about the difference between the cost of something and the worth. If someone asked you to swap a $20 bill for a safe healthcare experience, I just know you would do that in a heartbeat. I know I sure would. Heck, you don't even have to read the book. Just bring it with you to the hospital or give it as a gift to someone who's in the hospital. Lay it on the tray table and watch everyone who comes in either look at it with knowing eyes or usually they'll ask a question about it. Therefore, opening up the conversation about patient safety. And to me, that is huge. So you can order the Speak Up and Stay Alive Patient Advocate book at the website, speakupandstayalive.com. 
It's $20. You can order the Healthcare Acquired Infections book online. It is $10. Can't beat that. Go to speakupandstayalive.com or by phone 440-725-5462. And second reminder, if you belong to a church, club group, senior group, women's group, men's group, church, or any organization, hospitals, nurse associations, it doesn't matter. Invite me to speak. This is a fresh topic that's actually useful, and I am booking for 2020. In fact, my spring is getting booked up, so call me at 440-725-5462, 440-725-5462, or email me at pat at speakupandstayalive.com. And finally, here's my show change reminder again, beginning with the first show in January of 2020. I will still be a 30-minute show on Saturday mornings in Cleveland, Ohio, on WHKW AM 1220, The Word, but a half hour earlier. So instead of 9 o'clock, like you're used to, tune in at 8.30. So it's Saturday mornings at 8.30 on WHKW, which is AM 1220, the word and the second change is on Sundays in Cleveland. I have been moved on WHK AM fourteen twenty from six o'clock in the evening to two thirty in the afternoon. So you can find Speak Up and Stay Alive on Sundays at two thirty on WHK AM fourteen twenty. The answer. And as always, you can hear the show and all of the previous episodes on our website, speakupandstayalive.com. If you didn't catch all this and you need me to say it again, call me, leave me a message at 440-725-5462. 440-725-5462. So next week is December the 28th. Everything's the same, same times. Nothing's changed then, only until the 1st of January. So I will see you then, same time, same place, but never the same information. Until then, I hope you have a healthy and a happy week and Christmas free from radiated airplanes. I am Pat Rulo and I am the voice for informed choice.